morning we are, as you've heard, we are celebrating our Jubilee service. If you're not familiar with this, once a quarter we set aside time in our worship service to explore this theme together of what it looks like for us to seek the benefit of others together, right? To give our lives not only in worship and in fellowship, but also in service. And we are going to be, this morning we're going to do that, we're going to enter into that conversation through a fairly iconic story found in the Gospel of John, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. So uh, will you join with me? You can follow along. Our passage comes from um, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. You can follow along on the monitor above. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me or no participation with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. Let's pray together. Come now, Holy Spirit. Come in power with full assurance, enlivening within us an ability to hear your word this morning. And in hearing that word, would we, can, may we perceive what you have to say. And in perceiving, may we come not only to a place of uh, understanding, but of acceptance, of belief, of trust in that word, so that we might be tra- changed, transformed from the inside out, transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray, saying, Amen. So uh, here, like I said, is a fairly iconic passage that we find in the Gospel of John and all the Gospels. It's one of the most Um, well-known. It's situated in John's Gospel right around the place where the other Gospels would have put the Last Supper, right? But instead of a meal that Jesus enacts with his disciples, John shows Jesus performing an act, an act of service in humility, where he 
um, washes the disciples' feet. This is a, a common practice that would have happened in many uh, around dinner time every evening, uh, uh, where you would wash off the dust of the day, and you know those feet could get pretty gross, I imagine. So it wasn't necessarily uh, the most pleasant of acts, and yet. In the church, ever since the, the time of the early church, the church has recognized something significant and important about this act, as in so much that you will find it reenacted again and again in Christian communities. Everyone from the Pope to someone serving people on the street, have, will, you'll find them performing this act of service where they wash someone else's feet in the name of Jesus. Some have even argued that this act of foot washing should be considered on the level of the communion and baptism and considered a, a sacrament of sorts, something that every Christian should engage in. So it's clear that we hold it in high regard, high esteem, and yet I find that fascinating given the response that you see by the disciples themselves represented in Peter. For Peter, when Jesus comes to wash his feet, and, uh, rejects or uh, is in opposition to allowing Jesus to wash his feet. Now, why is that? I wonder. Certainly, it's probably, there's a whole deal of, uh, a, a lot of it wrapped up in pride, right? G um, Peter, no, you can't wash my feet. Okay, if you're going to, if you insist, then you better wash my whole body. Right? Because if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way better than anybody else. I think that certainly there's some pride there. But I also wonder if there's a bit of misplaced love and a desire to protect Jesus' own reputation, his master's reputation. For it seems right and normal for the disciple to wash the master's feet. But for the master to wash the disciple's feet, to take a position beneath his own disciples, those that have sought to follow him, that seems way out of the ordinary. In fact, so out of the ordinary that it disrupt, disrupts all of social norms and priorities. And you see in Peter almost the sense of like, I want to protect Jesus from himself. It's interesting that when I was looking for images that would kind of capture these scenes, again and again, I found... Uh, the, the scene depicted in a similar way with Jesus fully clothed in a white robe. You see that? Almost as if today, still, we need to protect Jesus from himself. Because while it depicts the scene of Jesus washing his feet, it doesn't tell the whole story. You remember how the story goes? Jesus gets up from the table. And then, it's the, and then it says he takes off his garments. In fact, the, new, the NRSV, which we read this morning, says it, he takes off his outer garments. It doesn't say that in the Greek. It just says that he takes off his garments. See, it's almost like we have to protect him from himself. He took off his outer garments, and then he wrapped himself in a towel, the towel of a slave, something more akin to this. Naked, clothed in a towel of a slave, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. What's going on here? Is this just an act that Jesus is going through? Is he play-acting? Is this a, a 
um, an example, a model of humility to teach us a lesson? Or is there something more? See, I want to argue that what's happening here is revelation. What the, the act of Jesus disrobing, wrapping himself in a slave's towel and serving, washing his disciples' feet, becoming last, is Jesus telling us something true about himself. Something true about the very character of the God that we seek to serve. It's deeply theological. And it's rooted, so why does Jesus do this? It's rooted in, and, and John situates this story perfectly by saying this. He says, Jesus, knowing that his time had come, got up from the table, and knowing that, uh, or Jesus, knowing that his time had come, knowing that the Father had put all things into his hands, Jesus, knew, knowing who he was, where he had come from, that he was, had come from God, and that he, where he was going, that he was going to God, got up from the table and served, all right? Jesus knew who he was, and it was out of that knowledge of where he, who he was, where he had come from, and where he was going. That is what informed his act. In fact, his, so another way of putting this is, his act was defined by his being, and his being was the same as his act. We're going to do a little theology, okay? So, Jesus' act, what he does, is conditioned and informed by his being, who he is, right? And his being defines his act. Who he is defines what he does. Why do I make a big deal about this? Because in God's life, being and act, exist, essence and existence are the same. Who God is, is what he does. And what he does is who he is. For much of the history of the church, philosophers and theologians have, a tendency, have had a tendency to break those two things apart. That's, that that we, would, we would hear people saying that being and act are two different things. And I think that has to do with the fact that for us in our life, being and act, essence and existence aren't the same. To be sure, some of what we are or who we are or some of what we do is informed by who we are. But there's a whole lot of stuff in us that we certainly do hope we aren't what we do, right? And for us in our existence, much of what we, there's still the possibility of something more, right? There's still possibility in our life as we live and move and, and, and work, right? There's the potential, there's potentiality for us in our being and what we do. But this is not the case with God. God is what he does and he, and he does what he is. And another way of putting this is God is the only fully actualized being in the world. Do you see why this is important? Because then if that is the case, if God does what he is and he is what he does, then Jesus, God incarnate, is revelation. He doesn't come just to do stuff. When he does stuff, he reveals the very heart of God. Let me put it a different way. Paul reflects on the very being of God in Christ 
When in Philippians 2, what we commonly call the Christ hymn, he says this, have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. And now watch how Paul puts to words what Jesus did that night, okay? Paul says, have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was of the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather he humbled himself, taking the form of a slave, right? And, and being found in human form, he, he, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point, to the point of obedience unto death, even death on a cross. Do you hear that? Do you hear the echoes? Jesus got up from the table, his throne by the Father. He took off his garments. He disrobed his divinity. He wrapped himself in the towel of humanity, and he came to serve. So Jesus, when he performs this act of washing the disciples' feet, he's not just teaching us a lesson. He's revealing his very character, that God is not just God in his majesty. God is also God in his humility. In fact, God is very God in the fact that he is able to serve, that he is willing to serve, that he chooses to serve, to become least and last, to become naked, clothed as like a slave. In fact, we don't, we don't realize and fully see God until we see him in this way. God is not proud. And he chooses from all eternity, he determines for himself to not just be God for himself, but to be God for us. At the very heart of God is this posture that seeks the benefit of others. Do you see that? It's revelation. Jesus lived theologically. He lived out of a deep understanding of who he was, where he'd come from, and where he was going. And therefore, he got up from the table and washed his disciples' feet. You'll hear me talk with you all the time. If you hang out with me at all, you hear me say this a lot. What does it look like to live theologically? To live as if what we believe is really true and to allow our beliefs, our theology, to inform our daily practices. Well, I think one of the ways it looks like that, that looks like for us is we intentionally choose to seek the benefit of others. During this holiday season, coming up on Thanksgiving and then Christmas, this is a perfect opportunity for us to explore this theme of Jubilee, seeking the benefit of others. And what we've done is we've come up with three different possibilities or options for you to choose to seek the benefit and the well-being of other people. And I want you to hear from uh, Deb, uh, Debbie Johnson, and Deb Sinnott, and um, I'm blanking on Colfet, the James Fry from, um, from Mean Street. Uh, three different ministries, uh, the deacons here in our own church, uh, India Transformed, and, and um, Mean Street Ministries. 
Hi, I'm Debbie Johnson, and I'm here representing India Transformed, which is a ministry serving children and women and starting churches in villages and slums across India. And today we're here to talk about child sponsorship, and we have a neat opportunity to give to you today. Um, I want to tell you about the little girl that I sponsor, and her name is Ruth, and she's from a Christian family in India, also a Dalit family. Uh, Dalit meaning the outcasts of the caste system and 250 to 300 million people, which is about the population of the whole United States. But um, there's great need in this community. And um, Ruth, I started sponsoring her when she was a little girl, but now she's a young woman. And I recently got a message from her that said, hi mom, I passed my exams and I'm going to college. And so from the slums, to college, these are the kind of things that child sponsorship can offer. And today we have a Christmas box campaign going on. So it can be a Christmas present to family members, to each other, or your Christmas present to Jesus. It can be thought of in several different ways, but it's an ongoing sponsorship uh, with but it can start today with this Christmas box campaign. And you can see me after the service or another representative of the ministry um, after the service and we can give you all the details. And I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child. Hi, my name is Deb Sinnott and I am a deaconess here at the sanctuary. I would like to sketch a picture of grace given to me by the sanctuary. I had been homeless at the time for three years uh, through some wild, unexpected circumstances, and that's a long story in itself, so you can ask me in private another time. Uh, right now, I'll just uh, keep on with my story. Um, I, um, at the time, didn't have um, a job. I had had lots of surgeries. Um, my car broke down. My glasses broke. Um, and to give you an idea of how serious a, a blow that um, breaking my glasses was, um, you don't exist without my glasses. You're just a formless blob <laughs> that um, makes noise. And I've been known to say, I can't hear you, I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> so, anywho, um, I um, had more bills than I could pay in 10 years. No home, no way of getting away to get more income, much less um, a way to survive on my own without requiring something of someone and being too, too much or, or sucking somebody dry kind of thing. Um, and then um, it was, well, just say it was awful. <laughs> um, and then I um, got to pray um, with a guy named Mac and I got to know some folks named um, the Hensons and a lady named Frances, and they asked me questions about my life, and they really listened to my answers, and they cared to listen to them. Um, and to my great surprise, um, with no begging on my part, um, I was given a gift certificate to use any way I liked. Um, I was stunned at the heap of blessing just handed to me out of the blue, but they gave it with care. It brings me a sense of wonder and awe even now uh, when I think about it. Uh, I mean, I was given a, a gift greater than I ever could have expected without having had to beg or even ask for it. And it was from people I didn't even know very well. 
and it was from my church, which I had hoped to develop more connections or to build with. And it started with their generosity and giving of grace to me and not what I gave them or didn't either before or after. It made and still makes me grateful. Um, I know a taste of the goodness God has in our church body for each other, and it is good. I hope you get to jump in and be a part of that with me. So today, the deacons have been honored with the gift of um, and the task of caring for our church body, and we need your help to do it. You see, there are folks within our church who are below the national poverty line um, and struggle to meet their daily needs. Whether they have met hard times um, the hard way um, by uh, choices they have made that are bad decisions, um, or through exigent circumstances or somewhere in between, it doesn't remove their very real need. Um, the fact remains they need care and it starts in some basic ways like a gift certificate to Walmart or Target um, or so they can buy things ranging from basic everyday supplies to some warm clothes to keep warm. Uh, we are asking your help in providing for those in our body who walk regularly among us. We would like to come alongside them and help them in their struggle by giving $25 or $50 or $100 gift certificates from Safeway, King Supers, Sprouts, Target, or Walmart. Receiving such a gift is such a breath of fresh air to those in need. I know, for I've been there. Another way is by sharing what you have extras of by posting a note on the deacon's board downstairs with your contact info so we can share with each other. I myself have a desk lamp and a decorative picture to give if anybody wants it um, or needs it, could use one. Uh, just take a look at the board in the hall outside the Hobnob Gallery downstairs for details. Christmas is about caring, and it's about caring for one another sacrificing for and lifting others to a sense of God's grace and glory in sending his son to us in the way that he did. We can partake of that grace in a small way by sharing what we have in practical ways like giving a gift certificate or two or more, if you like. Uh, join us in our Deacon's Drive and give a gift certificate or two or more sometime this month. Thanks. Christmas on Colfax. Um, it's a, a party that uh, Mean Street started uh, many years ago um, to, um, to basically help broken people and, and lost people connect uh, back to their community. Um, we, uh, we've always been a multi-denominational organization and so we've always invited churches to help us do this. Uh, because uh, uh, Mean Street is simply an outreach uh, for churches. Uh, so um, it was just a chance for all the folks in church to get involved, uh, uh, whether it's cooking a turkey or uh, uh, waiting tables or, or, um, or getting a gift uh, to put under a tree for a family. And uh, that's how it started off, and it's just grown bigger and bigger each year. Uh, we expect to see probably about um, uh, 12 to 1,500 people this year, um, and uh, it's it's a it's a chance we take family pictures. We uh, uh, we have a, a gymnasium that will be serving food. Uh, I, I believe we're. we're 
We have a Mexican fair this year, um, and there might be also some turkeys that we're cooking. The impact that this has, um, and it, I think it has more impact on the churches than it actually does the people uh, that we're serving, um, because we're out there um, every day, every week um, of the year doing this. Um, although this is a celebration that involves toys and dinner and things like that, um, this is more of a chance uh, to um, have an impact on uh, uh, volunteers. This is a time when the volunteers get to uh, come out and see all the different arms and legs of this ministry and meet each other. And um, it's, it's a chance for people from churches to come out and uh, um, put their toe in the water, see if uh, it's warm. And uh, uh, so if they like this and they can find out that mission work is a lot easier than you think it is, and it's going on in our very backyard. Um, a lot of people don't understand the poverty that's going on in our city today. Uh, it's a lot worse than what you're gonna read in the papers. Um, and uh, this is a chance to come out in a safe atmosphere and, and, and celebrate um, our faith uh, uh, with, uh, with other people that don't usually have people to hang with or um, other things on the holidays. It can be a pretty depressing time when you're uh, living um, pretty marginally in life. Uh, and this is a chance to help people connect, including get yourself connected to doing this kind of work. Um, so uh, the biggest impact is bringing the two worlds together and uh, in a celebratory way. Um, if you want to get involved, uh, there's going to be some folks in the back of the sanctuary that will have some clipboards that can happy to sign you up. Uh, or you can go to our website. We have a, uh, a sign-up system for the different jobs on that. You can go and see what's available. And um, it's a chance to showcase and get connected to mission work in uh, Denver. So there we have uh, three different opportunities, uh, one internal, one local, and one global for you to participate in what God's doing and seek the benefit of others. Uh, the Deacon Drive will be going on all month, so you can bring in gift cards uh, in the denominations that we refer to in our S News and stick that in the offering plate. Some of us will be going down to Colfax for Christmas on Colfax, December 14th. You can, uh, in front of you, you should find some red cards that you can look at, and if you want to sign up for those and stick them in um, the back on your way out. And then Debbie Johnson is going to be in the back corner right over there. Um, where you can explore the possibility of adopting an Indian child through in India Transformed. But here's the thing. If you're hearing all this and going, oh man, this is another should, or an ought, or a must, then you're missing the point, right? This is not a guilt trip right now, right? And in fact, maybe we need to hear um, the, or learn the lesson from Peter, who initially kind of just rejected and then said, fine, then let me do, do everything as if he could add something more to the washing that Jesus provided him. You can't justify yourself um, by adding something more to what Jesus is doing. And you cannot um, find your place with him by living out these shoulds and oughts and musts. You I mean, I think it's interesting that Peter... 
he needed to hear Jesus say, you just need to let me wash you. For if you don't let me wash you as I wash you, then you can have no share with me, no participation with me, no communion with me. See, it's when we realize Jesus, the master, come as a slave, washing our own feet, when we experience that cleansing, the cleansing of the blood of the lamb, that it's only then that we uh, respond in gratitude that we start to realize that we have a stake, a a participation in the very life of Jesus. And so whatever we do and whatever kind of foot washing or serving that takes place, that's Jesus working in and through you and I. You and I, we can sit here in in the same room, in the same pews, and have, do the same events. Christmas on Colfax, Deacon Drive, uh, adopt a child or something else. And it would look the same, but one might be out of a sense of obligation, the other comes from a position of gratitude. And it all flows out of this, the fact of what's, what, what do we believe to be true? Are we, do we have a share in Jesus' life? Have we experienced his washing? For he stooped down, Right? And he didn't just stoop down to play act, to teach us a lesson in humility. He stooped down and took the form of a slave to reveal his very heart, the very heart of God. Or another way of putting it, uh, E. Stanley Jones, who was a Methodist missionary in India, and uh, think of India at the time, a century or two ago, and all the stratification, and everyone was so very aware of the lowest and the least and not wanting to be there. E. Stanley Jones says this, he did not merely bend over to hand out. You know, this wasn't just charity. He bent over to get under. He stooped under the poverty and the toil, the sin and the shame, the troubles and the toil, under the very lives of fallen men, and when there was nothing left to get under, he got under the cross and bore that for them. Revelation. Having loved his own in the world, he loved them to the end. Where he said, this is, it is finished. And so this morning, you're invited to participate in a whole bunch of opportunities to share. And maybe even to find other creative ways in which you might seek the benefit of others. But I first want to invite you to participate in this. If nothing else, to experience Jesus washing you as he washed his first disciples. For on the night he was betrayed, he, gave, he took bread and gave thanks and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And do you see? Here is an act. But it's an act that flows out of his being. Body broken, blood shed for you. So you are invited this morning to come participate, have communion, 
have a stake, a share in his life, and allow that to then motivate you to move into the world, knowing that Jesus is washing a whole bunch of people in and through you. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come to the table. You're invited to take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Uh, White cup is juice, dark cup is wine. We have gluten-free up in front. But more than anything, this morning, let us worship. Would you get get in touch with the heart of God? Amen. So could it be that um, his name is lifted higher when his people make themselves low? The Lord who came as slave. Now that is something beautiful. Hey, I don't know if we, you know, Jesus said, he said this, he said, you don't know right now what I'm doing, but one day you will. And I don't know if we yet know exactly what he was doing that day, that evening, after supper, or three days later on the cross. But one day we will. And if you are wondering what that looks like for you, remember these words that he said to Peter, you cannot have a part of me unless you allow me to wash you. And you have been washed by Jesus. So you have a stake in him. You participate in his life and he is creating all kinds of opportunities in which he will wash other people's feet through you, okay? So hear then this blessing and this charge. Go from this place knowing that the love of God is, God is always better than you thought. The love of Jesus is deeper than you know, and the Spirit is everywhere working the wonders of mercy. Amen?